0: Hey, before we start the show, I think we should give everybody a, a deepfake update, right? Because everybody's probably been wondering about deepfakes. I have a YouTube channel that I'm not going to, I'm not, just going to link it. I'm not going to play anything. I'm just going to link it in the show notes. It is getting there, guys. It's getting there. The stuff that really convinced me is uh, they take the Dark Knight Joker and they like put him in other movies. Did you see these videos? Yeah.
1: Well, I haven't watched that particular one, but I have watched a couple of them. The Terminator ones.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Super creepy. (laughs) Wes, did you find this? You know, I don't know where that popped up, but I've seen a lot of coverage and you can tell people are getting a little scared. We already do a terrible job of knowing, you know, what's real information and what's not. So when <laughs> you can news. have perfect looking videos, I don't think it's going to get any better. It's gotten it's gotten there. It's there now.
0: Like Hollywood's done. I mean... I don't
1: know that it's perfect, but it's oh, freaking man. close, dude. It's so good. For the for the average person, I think they would just, yeah, All right. they would I, accept it.
0: I leave it to the audience. Go check the, the link out in the show notes and then tell me if you think it's there. I kind of... I think most people, unless you you know to look for it, it's, it's there. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 304 for June 4th, 2019. Oh, hey there. Welcome in to your weekly Linux talk show, Linux Unplugged. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello, Mr. Payne. It is a warm and packed episode. Just hot out of grandma's oven. This week we went down to Texas Linux Fest and had our minds blown. Mr. Cheesy's here in studio with me. Hey, what's up, guy? Hey, Bacon. How's hey. it going? Oh, I'm doing good. You finishing great. up your post over there? Oh, my post is finished. Yeah. It's rocking and rolling, yeah. Right
2: on the Texas Linux Post. Post? Post? Is that? It's a Post Post. Yeah. You, you should check it out because, oh man, there's some pictures in there that will make you salivate. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. We're going to talk about that today, but also some community news, as well as a big congratulations to someone in the community, a bit of housekeeping, some pics. But before we can do any of that stuff, it is our duty to say a big holler to our virtual lug. Time-appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello, everyone. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello.
0: Hello. I like that. It was such an orderly yeah, Mumble Room today. It was very, very orderly. I, I agree. Hello, Brent, Bruce, Byte, Lynn, and Tech have Good to have you all in there, as well as uh, Rotten and Minimac up there in the staging, helping get people in and see. And Sylvia up there. And Sylvia up there in the old... How would you, how would you say that one, Wes? Sylvia? I'm going to say Sylvia.
2: Oh, look at you. You had to get all fancy with it, making me look bad now. That's what happens when you ask, okay, and you learn the lesson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. You just get served. I did.
0: And he's right, too. That's the worst part. You know, that's what happens when Wes uh, works late in the studio. You know, yeah. He gets, he's, gets he was sassy, the, too. Yeah, he was there late last night, and he was in earlier today, see. fixing things up for us. So that's what happens. Very good on you, Wes. All right. Well, what do you say? We get into some community news, guys.
3: Stay a while and
0: listen. There's quite a few things to talk about, but I don't know. This week, I, I didn't really want to talk about most of them, to be honest with you. I just, I don't know. I mean, the really good stuff we put in land this week, and the other stuff sort of just didn't really register with me as much. Did you feel the same way?
1: Yeah. It's yeah. kind of slow.
0: Yeah. So I, so I just kind of like, I think this week, I was more proud of what we didn't put in the show. There's some clickbait and stupid media hype stuff, and this week it's just other cool stuff. So I wanted to start with, speaking of cool stuff, the Smosh Z. I'm going to say it like that, the Smosh Z. It's uh, supposed to make its formal debut at E3 next week as we record this, but it is a handheld in its current form that is fully AMD Ryzen-powered with the V165B system on a chip with Vega graphics,
2: and it's running Linux. Say what? Yeah, you can have it all to yourself, starting around $629. That gets you 4 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of onboard storage. There's a nicer Model too, all the way up around a grand. That's 16 gigs and 256 gigs of storage.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. So it's supposed to get announced next week. At E3, but Pharonix and others don't expect it to begin shipping until later this year. But if you look at it, it's essentially got um, a phone LCD-like screen in the middle with um, a split-up Steam controller yeah, on the that's, sides. that's
1: exactly what I was thinking when I saw the, the little Joy-Con. Yeah, it's got the sides. touchpad
0: uh, thingies, like just like the Steam controller has. And it's a full Ryzen stack. There's been rumors of this thing before, so this isn't like... The first time, in fact, they even teased it uh, back in 2015 when AMD was looking for a partner, but they've got actual promo videos now, and they've got people they're sending to E3, and they've got
2: press kits they're sending out. So we may have ourselves a handheld Linux device here. I noticed uh, so far no mention of battery life. That makes me a little bit worried. Yeah, good
0: catch.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm hoping it's one of those ones where maybe you can just swap the battery out.
0: That would be great to All right. give us that sort of device. I'm going to go into sales mode here because that's exactly what I was thinking. So, Brent, you're my potential customer in this scenario. And here here I'm going to try to sell to you. So, uh, Brent, what I have here is a nice portable Linux gaming device. It can play uh, some popular games, such as. And it also has a removable battery. And you can put a battery in there. It's easy to do, such as. As well as expandable storage with an SD card. And it'll support up to X. And well, Brett, we just think this would be a great gaming device for somebody like yourself who's on the go. You don't have a lot of extra room in your bag. You just slip this right into your bag. You could put a couple extra batteries in there and this thing will be a playable device for an entire flight. Did I sell you? Where do
1: I get one? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I think the battery. (laughs) um, Yeah, totally. The battery switching out, like if you're, if you're a heavy gamer, especially if you're flying, of course, Um, why would you not want to change the battery? So what I would want to know is how quickly can I change the battery?
0: It would be a big standout feature because it's Baked into the switch, which I think is the biggest competitor. It's if this is well, it's not really a competitor to the switch, obviously, but that's what it's trying to compete with. I should say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it's trying to compete. Obviously, it's going to be a smaller display. Um, it is going to have that Ryzen sixteen oh five B system on a chip. What do you think of that? Four gigs of RAM.
0: What do you think of that? I, think that, I think
1: that's the. I think that's the right avenue for them to go for something like this. Absolutely. I mean, it it runs Steam OS. So technically, any Steam game that will run on Linux uh, will operate with it. I mean, that's enough. There's enough juice there to play a game of Counter Strike, uh, you know, at 1080, 60 frames a second. So, I mean, you definitely have a lot of power in your hand with a little device like that. Um, And if they were to say, hey, you know, maybe this supports your Dreamcast emulation. Well, and don't forget about Steam Play or steam play steam streaming play streaming mm-hmm. or you know these additional services so I think this is a good a good market I think the prices might be a little bit steep I'd like to see it more around the four to five hundred dollar range for the base because what is the switch now around there you know so you got to kind of be in that same if you're gonna sell a similar device but with a smaller display but uh-huh. with additional features you still kind of need to be in that price range so we'll see where it goes so I'm, I'm I'd be interested to get one if if you
0: know it turned out that the reviews were were great mhm by have you been following this device yeah uh, since the beginning uh and there was even some rumor that it even was a, a
4: scam because they were using a mm-hmm. a, 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 a tablet and a, a deconstructed uh a steam controller at that time, I uh, purchased the GPD Win, and that one was a blast for the, that time. But yeah, does Maxi that it, it finally came out, uh, or uh, coming
5: out like how it's supposed to be?
0: Yeah, it may be. It's not out yet. It may be still the rest of the year before we see it. Yeah. And by then, will be will we be as impressed by the Ryzen chipset? I, I suppose it depends on what the what games they really push for it. What they try to sell it as.
1: Well, I mean with the with the large one at sixteen gigs of RAM and two hundred and fifty gigs of storage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sixteen gigs of RAM on a device like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean it, whatever display they the throw in it, you're,
1: you're gonna get a sixty frame frame rate out of something like that.
2: That's a pretty reasonable price difference too, right? Like and where else do you get get like four times as much RAM for a couple hundred extra dollars. That certainly doesn't happen in the Mac ecosystem. Really. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, though. What do you think, Wes, about the heat something like that's going to produce? It's got to get hot. Yeah, that's a good question. Hot. I'm worried about the battery life and um, is it is it going to ship? There's there's might actually ship in this title here for the story mm. linked in our show notes, of course, and that's just never a good omen. When When you have to be hopeful as the journalist reporting on it, it doesn't leave me in a very hopeful spot.
0: One of the stories that got me grumpy this week,
2: and I don't really feel like talking
0: about it much because we just—it's wait and see. But this stuff that Chrome is doing with the ad blocking—they're um, making changes to their manifest list. We've talked about it in LAN, and uh, it's still up in the air. No final decisions have been made on this on this uh, thing that right now is people very upset about, potentially really limiting the usefulness of ad blockers. And it kind of just got me in a funk because I really don't <laughs> I don't like where we're going with so much control in Google's hands for the web and how they are now just as it's like if you could have if you could have made a worst case scenario how they would leverage Chrome they're doing it now and you watch what they're doing with AMP and mm, I just don't like the direction it's going in it's the portal to Google's world man I know but it makes me suspicious of everything that they're doing and I don't like that feeling So the one way that I kind of push back is I'm like, well, all right, let's start looking at alternatives. And I I remembered about our friends over at Peertube. We haven't talked about them in a while. And this is kind of, you know, replacing YouTube for me would be a major accomplishment by the open source community. If we could get it replaced with something that was open source and it took off and people started having their own self-hosted YouTubes just, and it's not crazy. I mean, look look at all these different industries that are now doing their own streaming services. There are, I mean, maybe maybe these same companies would want to have their own
2: YouTubes, and let's hope they could base it off something that's standard. I will say, Peertube is kind of a technological accomplishment. I don't use it all the time, but I've, I've played with it, and I've watched a significant number of videos on some of the various hosted instances out there. By and large, it just works. I'm really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, we've had uh, members of the community set one up for us in the past and moved it around a bit, and they've just released a brand new version which adds, I'm very, very, very happy to say, <laughs> playlist support, including watch later's, private playlists, public playlists. They've also added experimental HLS support, which has better bandwidth management for both the client and the server, uh, and just a whole bunch of other stuff, including user management, optimizations, SEO improvements, adding a not-safe-for-work policy and filter, uh, and being able to block and blacklist that stuff if you don't want it. Like just a lot of really nice, easier to use, full feature kind of fleshing out stuff that it's just really nice to see landing in this project.
1: Yeah, and they well, and they also add Japan uh, support for Japanese, Netherlands, and and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's if you're if you're looking for adoption rate, you know, you really that's I think something a lot of people don't focus on. Um, if you want to make this something that everyone is going to jump on board with and use as a standard. Um, you need all that documentation there for
0: everyone. You got it, girl. You got him. Well, look at that. Coming now into the virtual log, Mr. Popey and Wimpy. Gentlemen, great to see you. How are you both? Dudes. Good evening. Very well, thanks. Hello from Texas. Hello. We, uh, we're we still down here. We just did Texas Linux Fest down here. Mm-hmm. Going to go get ourselves some babes chicken tonight. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The world's finest fried chicken.
0: It's
2: just not fair.
0: Been enjoying myself, the Ubuntu podcast, as always. Been a very fine season so far. We just finished recording two more episodes. I suspected nice.
6: that might be the case.
0: Nicely done, gentlemen. Nicely done. I look forward to hearing them.
6: This week is a week of three episodes.
0: Whoa. What?
6: Yeah. So a very special live recording. Oh, oh right. Right. That's, that's very... When is that? We should plug that. So that's this, this Saturday coming. Um, it's Foss Talk Live. Mm-hmm. Joe will be there as well.
0: Um, and it's just a great mashup of different podcasters in the area. They're going to be recording their shows. They'll do a mashup show. They'll do their own shows. It'll be great. And some drinking, I bet, will happen as well.
6: <laughs> well, it's in a pub, so I think that's inevitable. <laughs> no.
0: It just helps to the,
6: the, the grease the shows. That's know? right.
0: Yeah, the, by the last, whoever's on last, <laughs> they're going
6: to be struggling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit dangerous this year because in the past, the pub hasn't opened till like 5 o'clock in the evening, but I hear it's opening at midday this year. So oh, know, well. there's, there's danger of, you know, oh. yeah, I'm going to have to control ourselves i think (laughs) otherwise popey will walk out of there sounding like this
0: (laughs) again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's so good and uh tell me if you can guess who this is (laughs) that's joe that's joe (laughs) so good my soundboard (laughs) gets better and better every week i love it Drew's been editing the Ubuntu podcast now, and he's also been grabbing me those clips, so
2: <laughs> it's a it's a double edged sword, oh, I will insane. say. Yeah. He's it's a great good. editor, but <laughs> he knows how to get the clips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good for me.
0: Well, I want to say a big happy birthday. Happy birthday. <clears throat> Veronix turns fifteen years old tomorrow as we record this. Awesome. Yeah, Michael Erbel has been uh, Turning away at that now for 15 years and 11 years since the Pharonix test suite launched, which is a hell of a benchmark suite. And uh, to celebrate the 15th birthday, he's working on a whole bunch of different articles. It'll be pushing over the week and the month of June. And it's also not a bad time to go sign up if you want to support his work over there because he's got a sale going for the birthday. Yep. That's good for him. 15 bucks for a year, dude.
2: That's yeah, a pretty good deal. I, I signed up already. Mm-hmm. That's a solid deal. It is a solid deal.
1: In 15 years, though, it just doesn't... 11 years for the test suite?
2: I know. God, I'm
0: so old.
2: And I he, I mean, he just hustles, right? Do you see the amount of stuff he publishes? Oh, every day. Basically day. every single day, yeah. It's,
0: it's exhausting to think about it, to be honest. Um, and it's so much more work than we can even understand because that's the thing about content creation. It's always way more work than you could know. <laughs> and so I know that's true for him, too, even though I'm not a writer. Um, this whole Texas Linux Fest... I got to be honest with you; has made me start to feel like maybe I'm becoming an old timer. Absolutely. You too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'll talk about that a little bit more as we get there, because um, yeah, that's been a thing. Uh, but before we get there, I was tweeted by uh, at Jim Cops on Twitter. He said I would be interested in Chris Lass and the group's take on this particular issue. For the record, this has been my opinion since the first year we ever heard the meme that it was the year of Linux desktop. And this is the piece that he's uh, having me uh, read to you guys. It's an interview on ZDNet with Linus. And uh, in this interview, Linus says, I still wish we were better at having a standardized desktop that goes across all distributions. It's, It's a personal annoyance how the fragmentation of the different vendors have, I think, held the desktop back a bit. Um, and then VMware's chief open source officer, Dirk Hondel, jumps in and says he agrees, um, and that it is a frustrating situation for app developers. This week, there's also been um, discussion about the desktop is not a platform. Elementary OS is a platform. GNOME is a platform. But Linux itself is not a platform. Um Let's start with uh, let's start with our friends that are back from a bit. Uh, Wimpy, as somebody who uh, has a very great desktop in Ubuntu Mate, what do you think is is the distributions the problem when it comes to the desktop? Let's say for a moment that if any if for just for a moment, let's imagine every distribution shipped Mate. Would it would that truly be a better scenario for the developers? Do you think
6: this is a difficult admission? But yes, obviously, if we had. Uh, fewer Linux desktop environments and they were common across the major distros, then that makes Linux, in air quotes, an easier platform to target. And we kind of have that because Ubuntu does command the lion's share of users on the Linux desktop. And I know that that might be unpopular to hear with some people, but it's simply a statement of fact. And this is why even to this day, you will find that application developers, even outside of the Linux bubble, make use of technologies that came from Unity 7. So app indicators and what have you are almost certainly supported by the application that you install from a third-party vendor. So yes, it's true that if we all had a single platform to get behind, then this would cut through some of that. But then again... We have a dominant platform, and if everyone gets behind that, you get the same thing.
0: So I want to take that part of your question, and I want to bounce that to Popey here in a moment, but I want to follow up with you and say, so if that is true, then do you believe that the cost of having Ubuntu Mate and have it do its own thing is less expensive than the cost of uh, one less group having all of their effort behind a common desktop? Do you follow my question?
6: Yeah, I do. And it, it, it's something I was reflecting on quite recently, actually. You know, I was asking myself, you know, am I actually helping or detracting from the greater good here? You know, by me, um, you know, having my own little project that services the needs of me and my friends and my family, am I doing a disservice to the wider community because I'm being selfish? And the answer is, well, Yes, I'm, I am doing a disservice. And yes, I am being a bit selfish. But then again, I'm doing the thing in my spare time that interests me, motivates me, and I get enjoyment from. And my creative, um, pursuit happens to be a desktop operating system. And for somebody else, it may be painting or sculpting or playing an instrument or singing in a choir or whatever. And I'm not in a position to tell those people how they should spend their free time in order to get enjoyment and creative endeavor from, you know, their efforts. Mm. So selfishly, um, I'm sorry, I don't care. I (laughs) I enjoy making the thing that I make. I make it for... myself my friends and my family and i will continue to do so and i realize that there is some damage there to the wider linux ecosystem but then again i'm slightly privileged in that i can see the statistics uh that the ubuntu report gathers you know every time you install ubuntu you can say you know send my hardware specs back and ubuntu mate is actually very popular when you compare it to other major distributions but when compared to ubuntu proper it's a fraction of a rounding error but ubuntu mate is still way more popular than a load of other distributions so i would say the the answer is there for us It's get behind uh the big player which is ubuntu mm. um, and that solves your fragmentation problem target ubuntu
0: all right, so let's go from there. And I would also add, just to your answer, um, more free software doesn't really hurt anybody. And uh, But, Popey, is that almost the only solution? Is in a world where everybody is scratching their own itch and freestyling and can, it's an organic process of creating software where the strongest survive, is the only way to really kind of dominate this market and set a standard just to be – the huge, obvious winner? Because you can make a free desktop standard, but it doesn't mean anybody's going to follow it. Somebody just has to set the standard by being, don't they? It's okay for there
7: to be lots of different distros, and it's okay for people to learn, you know, how to build a distro. I I do uh, worry that people don't realize that the amount of effort that's required to create that and then when they walk away they leave people in limbo i think that that Mm. is a very real problem is and those people then have to go and find a distro to be something really great and really amazing if you just walk away from it 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 can really waste the time of you know maybe 10 other people (laughs) i don't know
0: Right. Or more, yeah, yeah, well put, well put, I think I'm I wondering think. though like
1: how does this how does this idea affect innovation in the desktop world for Linux? So if we just stick to one base framework, whatever that is, one, one desktop one style, how one do we how do we get to that minority report? UI desktop that we all want to see, or how do we, you know, we, we have to leave this open so that people can, can take it and run with these tools and make this, but I do do see, you know, yeah, building a distro, running it for a year and then dropping it and then leaving 500 people in limbo is definitely not the way to handle it.
6: I, I think you touched on it though. I think that, that point you make about the minority report desktop is a subtle point, but really important. I don't know if you've um, watched the interview that Mark did with Swapnil recently where he talked a bit about um, the Ubuntu desktop and desktop Linux in general. But Mark made the point that the Linux desktop has failed to succeed because we have broadly followed what Windows has been doing and been trying to reach feature parity with Windows and what we haven't been doing is being bold and trying to create something distinctive and compelling that brings people to Linux because it is different and compelling and a step change in functionality. But we do that. We,
7: we, we made Unity and I know this is unpopular opinion, but Unity was more successful that I, I know people class Unity as a failure because we shut down the project, but it was more successful than any other desktop. There are still people, a million or more people, using Unity every day, and that is incredibly successful. And the only reason it isn't more than a million or more is because we switched to GNOME. We drove everyone to switch to GNOME in in Ubuntu. So I think I think we did do some innovation there. And before Unity came mm. along. I don't think Dell sold a tremendous number of Linux laptops. And I, and I realized that they had a certain bit of innovation inside Dell. But once they got a really usable, user-friendly desktop for users, they sold a, a truckload more of them.
0: Yeah, I, uh, here's my thoughts on it: is every, Everybody that writes about it in the sense of it's failed or it's never going to work, I want to have, a, I wanna have a, like a little beer don't want to have like a little snack and I want to be sitting at a table. I just want to say, I just want to say, slow down, child, just slow down, give it some time. You see, it, we're really bad at this because uh, to us, you know, we, we don't have, we don't have a lot of time on this planet for one thing. And a lot of things are happening we just, it's over, it's come, it's gone. This stuff's going to be around longer than us. And, and it'll just over time it will grow, it will change, it will adapt, it will become what the people need. So uh, right now, the way we get it is through scale. That's, that's, That's the state we get today. We get standards by scale. That's why Google is bending the way the web operates now because they have scale with Chrome. Canonical has scale with Ubuntu Desktop. So that's why a lot of vendors have to support Ubuntu if they want to ship for the desktop. That's why Steam works so well on Ubuntu. They have the scale to set the standard. Red Hat has scale on the server. Oh, Canonical also has scale on the server. There's certain things that just the market adopts. That's the best we're going to get right now. And it works. Um, so I guess there is a standard. It's just what the majority of people use um, and then we sit here and we fight about it all. <laughs> oh, I guess we should probably move on. Um, I'll give Minimec the last word on it before we go. Minimec, what do you want to chime in with?
2: Yeah, it is interesting to see, like, the development in Unity gave us Global Menu. And even though Ubuntu digged the Global Menu and the Unity desktop, you see that you have the Vala panel, for example, that gives the Global Menu possibility now for the xphase desktop and i think also for mate so things live on that's a cool thing i think
6: yeah and in fact that 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 particular project it was after unity was discontinued in 2017 and i'd been working on the ubuntu desktop team at that point and i'd come to appreciate the the finer points of unity 7 that i hadn't seen before that I then approached the Vala panel project and helped mold it into what it is today to reimplement a lot of those, you know, Ubuntu um, technologies um, so that they are broadly available today because they are pretty great and lots of people want global menus and app indicators and the HUD and various other things.
0: Right, and just searching for apps and launching it from the search um, some of that stuff had been done in other places, but that desktop brought it all together. And I remember when it was announced that it was over, I took a you know I went and took a vacation in Unity for a while and appreciated certain things about it. Um, but we have pulled a lot of the best elements forward, I think. All righty, sir. Well, before we get into the Texas Linux Fest stuff, we do just have a few items in housekeeping, some really good stuff this week. Number one, probably the most important. Do you remember how many seconds I said it was? Was it seven? Seventeen? Seventeen? Is that what it
1: was? Yeah, seventeen. It was seventeen seconds. I'm positive it was seventeen seconds. The best
0: seventeen seconds. Look it up from Texas Linux Fest. The best seventeen. The best seventeen seconds from Texas Linux Fest will be in the Friday stream. Um, Hilarious moment happened. I happened to have my microphone going, and we happened to catch it. Let's see. Were you right? Yes, you were right. It is seventeen seconds. You were right. I told you it was right. Uh, it was also um, one of the most expensive clips that I've ever gotten. And also, uh, I think I'm going to owe Elle an apology. But all that will be in the Friday Stream, so check that out at FridayStream.com. Should be pretty good. Get a chance to hang out with those of us here on the show that, uh, you know, turns out we're human beings. we got other things going on, too. Yeah. We'll talk about it the there. Laid
1: back, the laid-back show.
0: It's going to be live at 1 p.m. this week. I'll yep. be back in Seattle, 1 p.m. Pacific, jblive.tv, and get it converted in your time. Also got a whole bunch of meetup stuff coming up very soon this friday in san antonio an unofficial hacker family dinner meetup.com slash jupiter broadcasting for details on that Elle's gonna be at
5: b-sides
0: ellie got anything you want to say about b-sides maybe people can find you
5: yeah um just look for the hair as you always say <laughs> and it's gonna be myself and ally so no matter who you find you're gonna find someone who knows me
0: there you go yeah, and the dinner details are at meetup.com slash jupiterbroadcasting. Also coming up very soon is our next study group. Back to the basics. Linux permissions 101. Join Alex and L for an introduction to uh, Linux permissions. Not uh, not uh, Alex, ironic badger Alex, but Alex from Rackspace. As we go over the basics of Linux permissions and other things, meetup.com slash jupiterbroadcasting. For that, it will be Tuesday, June 11th. That's uh, where really
1: you just chmod 777 everything, right?
0: Yeah, dash R, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. and put it's a cool. pseudo in front of that so that way it works. <laughs> what I would do is just open up your terminal, right? sudo dash S, hit enter, and just leave it up. Okay, I'll try that.
5: Is this before or after I push putty in there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might have that wrong. I better attend that, that study group myself. Meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. And last but not least, Jeezy, uh, did you know... The Linux Academy is cranking away some new code for their video player in the apps for both Android and iOS, but as well as Fire TV, and Android TV support's coming too. That's super awesome. I know. I know. And they're adding... And it looks great too. They're going to add transcripts to the video player so you can follow along with transcripts in the video player, Uh, zoom and pan on the video, also to pull up related training videos that you can watch, and subtitles will be in there too. With a whole new UI for the video playback too. All that's coming soon to the new app. So I want to let you guys know if you don't have the Linux Academy app, you can use it now for free as a community member if you're just signed up to the community edition. So that's really great. Check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. We got a lot going on. And that last study group we did—it was good. Don't be famous. Learning's all about the Kubernetes. Securing your Kubernetes. Your Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. That's up on the YouTube. YouTube.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. That's up and
2: available for anybody now. And it's good, too, because honestly, that is a packed study group. So you're probably going to wa- want to watch it a couple times. I know I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no kidding, right? The Kubernetes is thick, but uh, that, was, that was great. Hart really does a great job of just breaking it down. Yeah, absolutely. You know Wonderful somebody job. really understands it when they can explain it simply, right?
5: And don't forget the notes are available on the GitHub.
0: Boom! It's magic right there. That is some magic. Yeah, that's also, that's, that's something else doing that's really cool. Is she's publishing the notes for the study groups, so that way you guys can follow those along as well. That's all good. So, and that GitHub is meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. That right there is a packed housekeeping. We are cranking stuff out these days, and so we just try to try to let you know about it in the most efficient way possible, uh, without uh, without tying things down too much. So. We are down here in the very, very warm Texas. It's um it's eighty three degrees in the studio right now as we record. <laughs> How you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I
1: think if you keep I'm I'm literally i have no it. shoes. You stop. And I'm it. one I have one sock
0: on. Cheese is taking one article of clothing off every time I complain about the heat.
5: We're gonna need <laughs> special music for that. <laughs>
0: I know. It's, it's brutal in here. I mean there's no lie it is brutal in here
1: once
5: yeah. the door's closed.
0: <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so let's talk about Texas Linux Fest. It's the little conference that could. And um, L is a volunteer there. So just full disclosure there. We do have an insider on the team. So we may be biased, but we've, we've gone, we've gone before. I think it's pretty great. And I want to start with the most important part. And that's the meetup, the dinner. It's meetup time. We're at the Hard Eight, standing next to the smoker right now. I'd say it's about 120 degrees or so here, uh, and the room is filled with smoke. You walk in, and it's nothing but smoke. It's going to be a good meetup. I think. I think this whole aisle of people now is us too. I think we've basically taken over the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. We had about three or four tables at least. People were slamming down some good food and some new friends, some old friends. And thank you to Elle because she made sure that we actually tried to socialize with everybody. Like you tuned in on that right away that that needed to happen. So tip of the hat to you on that.
5: You know, it was actually closer to five and seven tables at some time.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was great. It's just it's it's so cool to like go to a place like that and fill it up. And that Elle, that location I believe was also Elle's idea because she had the brilliant idea of it's a line where you just go in, you get the food, you pay it yourself, and then you go sit down.
1: Yeah, it was this a la carte line. I mean, what was what I thought was super cool about it, too, is all of the sides were free. So, like, if you wanted the mac, uh, did they tell you that?
2: No. No, they did not tell me that. Maybe they're just free for cheese. He's got that smile, you know. Yeah, maybe dude. they were. Maybe they just like maybe you. Maybe
1: they were. I was a <laughs> sweetie.
5: Yeah, I don't think they were free cheese. I think you may have stolen sides.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Dude, yeah. Well, I mean, I went to the counter. Dude, she I, paid, didn't, she didn't charge I me. paid like
0: 36 bucks. That's not oh, just dude, for the yeah. meat.
1: For me and a man, it was like
0: 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's... It was, it was solid. I had I had to try the mac and cheese. I had to try the... The brisket was solid. The yeah. ribs were okay. The ribs were all right, yeah. The sausage was okay.
3: I didn't get any sausage, but I did get uh, bacon-wrapped jalapenos. I have a six-word review of Dallas Barbecue. It's good. It's not Austin. It's good. Yeah. It's okay. Mm. Maybe that's an eight-word review. That's <laughs> how I would <laughs> Yeah, do it. I was, was, I was that's that's about, about, about
1: it. to say, I think you're going over six words, bro. <laughs>
3: Okay. So anyways,
0: let's talk about the actual event. Um, and, um, we had a good time. We just probably partied a little too hardy, uh, that night and we woke up the next day, which was Saturday. The first day was Friday, which is kind of slow. Usually is on these conferences. Go to the meetup. Then the morning rolls around a little too soon. Oh, good morning. It's day two of Texas Linux Fest 2019. It's Saturday. Mr. Cheese Bacon's arriving with the swag for our booth. I think today's going to be the real day. Um, I think so today I got here a little early while they're setting up. I'm going to sneak into the ballroom and I'm going to try to plug my recorder into their audio system so I can record the keynote for them. This is something they asked me to do and uh, we'll give it a go. We're going to m- MacGyver this thing. Hey, good morning, Cheesy. How are you? <laughs> i'm uh um'm alive on the outside and I'm dead on the inside that's
1: that's not new right that's that's nothing new.
0: I got no sleep last night I got no sleep <laughs> and none so I might try to sneak out of here later today and take a nap <laughs> did, you,
1: did, you get, did you get the uh the get together for the uh audio for the keynote
0: no i gotta go do that i gotta go do that so I did go do that I took the nap after the keynote and boy am I glad. I was able to hook my recorder directly into the board, the house audio. Big thank you to Texas Linux Fest for making this happen. And Thomas got up on stage. Remember what was Thomas's last name? Remember Cameron. Thomas Cameron. He's uh, he's a little bit older than me. He's probably about five five ten years, maybe not. Maybe probably not that far. But he's about five years older than me. Got a little more gray in the beard than I do, but mine's mine's coming right along. And so he is quite literally a gray beard. And he starts to share a few stories. That uh, make us nostalgic for the battle days of Linux.
4: In the early days, does anyone remember xf86config? Right, you would have to run xf86config before you could start X, and you had to tell X or you had to generate a config file, you had to define the mode lines, you had to define the X and Y, start and stop, you had to define the uh, refresh rate, you had to define all this kind of stuff. You could literally go in and tell the electron gun to shoot to the left or to the right or up or down, and even to keystone, and to, you know, do the in and out and all that stuff. And if you didn't pay attention to the warnings, you could get a 14-inch monitor that said it was good for 800 by 600, and go, I wonder if it'll do 1024 by 768. And XF86Config would go, yeah, sure, let's try it. (laughs) Click. Start X.
0: Oh, crap. Yeah, it was rough. He also talked about wind modems and all the other things we had to battle, and how hard it was to find other community members to connect with.
4: How many folks remember using uh, Claws? Yeah. Uh Silfeed. For those of you who are younger than my IT career, these are old open source tools that we used to access Usenet. Usenet was sort of like a precursor to um uh bulletin boards, I guess, or mailing lists. But uh but so you would you would use Usenet and you could post questions and people would reply. And the thing that was amazing was I would see people replying whose names I saw scrolling by as the kernel booted. That was pretty amazing that the people who were helping were literally the folks who were writing the code, and they were willing to help. And Usenet is where I started to understand what open source was really about.
0: And he had a couple of messages that were pretty on the nose for an old-timer to make about today
4: people would ask what's the best distro which distro should i use what's what's going on well thank you very much for asking let me just tell you what's the best distro well you want enterprise support and a really long life cycle well pff, clearly red hat enterprise linux is the best distro you want enterprise support maybe not as long but but really good community and really docs well pff, obviously lts ubuntu is the best distro Do you want the latest and greatest packages, bleeding edge technology that's really, really close to upstream? Well, obviously Fedora is the best distro. Do you want a stable long-term release but you don't wanna pay for it? Well, clearly, CentOS is the best distro. Do you want an amazing desktop experience that just works, has all the multimedia, everything's fine and flashy and you just click next, next, next and it's fine? Well, obviously Linux Mint is the best distro. Do you want a distro that's optimized for cloud computing and virtualization workloads? Well, clearly, Amazon Linux is the best distro. Do you want a highly technical distribution for power users that is insanely configurable? Well, Gentoo is clearly the best distro. Except, wait a minute. Maybe Linux from scratch may make more sense. And you remember I was talking about the easy to use. Maybe MX Linux or Monjero. Maybe that might, hmm. You know what? Folks, adopting a distro like a religion is stupid. I've been guilty. I'm not saying I'm not stupid. I'm saying I've gotten enough scars that I don't do that anymore. Try a bunch of them. Force yourself to learn them. Put whatever. Put Ubuntu on your machine exclusively. Don't dual boot put it on and force yourself to live with it for a month or two then change over to slackware then change over to centos then change over to arch then cha- learn get good at it so that you can have informed decisions at the end of the day folks it's a kernel glibc or similar the GNU utilities and a bunch of applications the best distro is the one that does what you need at the best cost you know So I'm kind of done with that, that whole mine's better than yours thing.
0: I agreed with a point in that clip so much, I pulled it for the soundboard.
4: Adopting a distro like a religion is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Can
0: I get an amen to that? Because that's that is so true. So this is where the talk starts to get really good. You can see he's starting to get fired up, and it it feels like he's right. I mean, the man knows his stuff. Uh, Cameron worked for uh, 16 years at Red Hat. He now works at AWS on Amazon Linux. He's followed this stuff for a really long time. And when he started, it was a very specific group of people that were in the room trying to solve a specific set of problems. And he puts up a picture of an old 90s Linux user group up on the screen.
4: Who were we back in the 90s? What do you see on this page? They're all graybeards. Like me. I have become. But more importantly, what do we not see? People of color, women, young people, that's a big problem, folks.
0: And he makes a point that really stuck with me, that diversity and inclusion goes beyond the things that you can see with your eyes.
4: And it's not just about LGBT or women, or it's also about disabilities, right? And disabilities don't just mean the ones that you can see, okay? Neurodiversity is a really important topic. Um, there are a lot of folks who are terrified to talk about things like mental health issues in tech, right? I have bipolar, folks. It's scary to say that, but it's important to break down the barriers. Mine's controlled by medication, thank God, but people need to feel safe in tech, and we as a community have done a phenomenal job in the past, of bringing people in and including them. Let's extend that.
0: Man, that point hit me hard. Oh, yeah.
1: And I liked the way that he presented. You know, where he, he almost, almost felt like he tricked us a little bit, right? Like he brought us into this kind of nostalgic zone, and and through his experience, talking about the old you know, times, and man. I think, I, I think he was working at Microsoft at one point during the '95 mm-hmm. release. He mm-hmm. had mentioned too. Yep. Um, but he kind of walked us through this, uh, this this path of uh, his own path, uh, which was and very to where we similar are today. to mine. Yep. You know, and he even had comment about uh, you know what some would consider hipsters, right? And yeah. and how they're actually super smart kids. Um, you know, they're that are getting into this industry, um, so that we really need to embrace, um, and we really need to diversify our community, and that's just going to make for a better community at the end of the day. Um, was one of the real, real things that I took away from that.
0: And I like the way he 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 kind of he kind of frames it in a way that's easy for us all to understand, even if even if you don't have a empathetic connection with people in these situations. I think there's a way to phrase this all that helps us all better understand it.
4: There's a really, really cool thing that I see here. There are people of color. There are women. There are folks with disabilities. We are getting more inclusive. We're not there yet, but we're getting more inclusive, and that is phenomenal. There's still a lot of room for improvement in diversity and inclusion, and I think that we need to pay attention to that. Um... And I want to make something really clear. Diversity is inviting someone to the dance. And I talk to folks and they're like, oh, no, no, we work for diversity. We have hiring requirements that, you know, X percentage of people who come in are people of color or women or disabled or blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fine. Inclusion is asking them to dance.
0: I know that's true because I have met so many audience members when we go out that are too shy to come out. They they've traveled in some cases from parts all around the world and they finally get there and there's a big group of us and they shut down and they turn around. What's amazing about this, even well known established people in the community have this happen to them. And so I and Elle's even better at this than I am, try to go out of my way to when I see that happen, I try to I try to invite them to the conversation. I try to invite them to the group that has formed around us, that is chatting with us. Um, And you've seen this, right, Al, at, at events all the time.
5: I think the hardest one is when you want to approach them, but you kind of feel like you're going to scare them off. So it's kind of just changing your body language to make them feel included more than even, you know, approaching them vocally. And I think that's an important note to make for people.
0: Right. They're anxious. They're anxious about it. You know, and uh, when you can put yourself in that, when you understand that to them it's a it's a very anxiety-inducing situation to try to be included in a group well, yeah. you're currently not in, and As- for some people it's nearly impossible.
1: Absolutely, and I think you know, uh, uh, Cameron Thomas Cameron really touched on that in saying that all disabilities aren't disabilities that you can see, right? And and so we you don't really know, um, and you shouldn't guess, but you should. At least make, a, you know, a real opportunity to try and connect with those people, uh, because those people are likely to have a lot of knowledge that you would appreciate as well.
0: And there's ways to do that online too. It's not just about at events.
2: It's a good reminder we should all, um, you know, just take a second and consider that everyone has different paths to wherever you are, and it, it's pretty easy to just extend a, a hand here or there, or you know, just even think like. This person has a different perspective than I do. And how can I interface that? Because as you said, Chris, you know, anytime we go to these events, eventually, you know, things improve or you meet new people. And regardless of how that happens, I don't think any of that has ever been bad, right? It's only a good experience when you can reach out and meet new people.
5: I really liked his message when it came to diversity because, you know, he talked about actually inviting people, you know, to dance instead of just to the dance. And I know this is something I experience. I have a loud personality when I'm on, when I'm doing my talks, but I tend to try to fade into the background. And I've been very appreciative of the people that are like, you know what, actually talk to Elle. They don't speak for me and they bring me into a conversation. It just makes me feel included in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listener Steve had a good talk about uh, different personality types and how that can make a big difference. I think it's something he'll be giving more talks on in the future.
1: I would love to see him do like a YouTube video on that or totally. something like that. Yes. And, and, and link that out so that people could actually consume that. consume that. I think that would be a great avenue for
0: that. Should have said that to him. All right. Then this was really a State of the Union talk that uh, was being given. And- I really thought Thomas had a good kind of way to look towards the future, too. Now, obviously, working at Amazon, he comes at it from a certain perspective. So take that into consideration. But there was a harsh reality that has been setting in for me personally this entire year. As I've gone to all of these events this year, there, I, re, I felt something that I felt before, but I, it's been so long that I couldn't name it until after this talk. And what Thomas essentially is about to say is that the Linux admin is going the way of the Unix admin. There will always be some, but in the next 5 to 10 years there's going to be a lot less.
4: Then I backed off and I said, "Well, just give me all Linux in Austin." And I was like, "Man, that's that's pretty cool. 1500 results for Linux, that's developers, admins, you know, sales whatever."
0: He's doing job searches, and this is a screen that he has up, and he's, he's showing the results as he does, does different searches for Linux jobs in Austin.
4: And then I did the same thing for cloud, 4,000 just in Austin.
0: 4,000 jobs in Austin.
4: In Dallas, in the DFW Metroplex, it's more by a bunch. Employers expect cloud competency. But Linux is a huge underlying component of that. So I'm not at all saying, oh, pfft, screw Linux, go cloud. No, what I'm saying is you have an advantage right now. Um, but you need to understand all the things that Linux does, sort of architecturally, right? You need to actually understand networking because cloud is very much about Networking, setting up virtual private clouds and, you know, subnets and things like that. You need to understand storage. And I mean block storage. I mean uh, file storage, like, you know, NFS and Gluster and things like that. And also object storage. You need to understand those technologies. Those are all built on Linux, folks. But understand them. You need to understand application services. Because the days of somebody who just does Linux are gone. You need to, at the very least, understand the concepts of programming and software development.
0: His point is so, so great. It's cloud. You can demystify it by realizing it's just a series of different components, storage, networking. Linux is a huge part of that security. And as a Linux admin or user today, you've already mastered or are near competent in the most critical aspect of that stack. You're in a great spot to leverage that and just be ready for the, the way things are going. Uh, but a cloud admin, cloud architect, cloud engineer, these are the terms that employers are hiring for now. And it's mind-blowing to me because I realized I'm witnessing another industry transition like, it, like, like I saw from Unix to NT and Linux and from Windows servers to Linux servers. I'm now seeing... Well, essentially, services, hosted services, either as people roll their own or they use a commercial cloud provider. Something else he talked about in that slide is he showed how many data centers companies are building has just significantly dropped over the years. Yep,
1: yeah, and I think that that's you know that's one of those um, topics that might be hard and might be unbelievable to some people. Um, so I encourage you to go out there and do your own search.
0: Yeah. Now we did capture that audio of this talk. And uh, Mike, Linux Academy training architect, captured some video of it. He mashed those up. So we have the audio from the house system and the video from his camera. And we're going to get that over to Carl at Texas Linux Fest. When they have that posted online, we will retroactively update our show notes with a link to that so you can watch the entire talk. Because that should be out soon. Yeah, and you absolutely should watch that talk. I think you and I thought it was one of the better talks we'd seen in years.
5: I think right when it was done, I looked over at you and went, that is the talk I've always wanted to be able to give.
1: I actually remember... You saying that exact thing, El. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. I went up to him and I said, "How many times have you given this talk?" That was just—it was just incredible. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I ever given it. Solid. I finished it this morning. He was just and so it, passionate about that. Well, stuff.
1: and it should be said too that that Carl Carl George there in the in the ARC in in, uh, in the Jupiter Broadcasting World, he actually helped like throw that together. I think five days oh, before yeah. or something oh, like that's the thing him. about. It. And well, it, it just—it it was you wouldn't have known.
0: That's the thing about Texas Linux Fest. In fact, no, I had like a full month. <laughs> <laughs> Guys like Carl and and folks like, uh, well, everybody that volunteers like L, everybody that participates makes it possible. I mean, they're all volunteers. Yeah. And that's, I, I want to, this is my last clip. This was our, our final thoughts as all of the booths were being teared down as we watched Chaz from Linux Academy do all the hard work. I fired up the microphone and captured my final thoughts of the event. Here we are at the end of Texas Linux Fest, the plucky little Linux conference that could, I think it's kind of like your favorite distro that's not doing super good, but you still love it, and you want other people to try it out because they've done something that's kind of nice and different than the other distributions. That's Texas Linux Fest. And as a Linux user, something about that draws me in. Day two, you know, now that we're at the end, like literally everything's all packed up and we're just clearing out, I would just say day two, I think, was really kind of hop- hopping compared to day one. All the talks you really wanted to see were on Saturday. Sometimes we we'll little jam together. But uh, I think we've, I think that sort of motivated us to have conversations in the future about how to make this stuff more generally available for people. So that's nice. And it was always good to see people make friends. Yeah. Alex, this was uh, your second Texas Linux Fest. You and I both went to the one in Austin last year. Did you have some time to reflect on this? Any, any thoughts about this year's uh,
3: Fest? It was great. I, I, I really enjoyed the new venue uh although the barbecue was you know a couple of notches down the actual conference (laughs) itself was great um i gave a talk for only the second time ever in public so that was scary and it was uh cool to you know talk with lots of other people about home automation stuff kind of agree with your assessment it's the plucky little linux conference that can though uh it was only felt like three or four hundred people um turned up and friday was really quiet compared to the saturday like like you've said as well but I had a great time and I I uh, just see L El in the chat has just said why are Alex and I always scheduled to speak at the same time I know I'd love to go and hear L speak and by the way if you ever get a chance she is a fantastic speaker
0: Yeah L you packed the room you you crushed it with the confessions of a sysadmin talk this year How did you feel like the conference went from your perspective
5: You know this is my 3rd year to be involved and It's always the hardest conference for me because it is it is smaller than all the other ones that I attend. But, you know, you go to a conference and you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, there's one talk here, another talk here. I'll do the hallway track. This is three or four talks that I want to be at at every single time. So... I never feel like there's enough of me to go around. And sometimes I really wish people wouldn't show up to my talk because I could sneak away and go to somebody else's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If nobody makes it, I'm going to sneak out.
5: (laughs) The quality of speakers. I I don't know. I'm not involved in that process, but they do an amazing job of getting a diverse diverse variety of topics when it comes to not just Linux, but just the open source community as a whole.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, something they did that's a little different seen in a couple of other places, but I like their take on it. They had a few workshop talks that were specific longer talks that had follow along components. And the one that I went to was from Ansible basics to uh, brilliance. And there was a spot where the speaker just sort of stops. said, All "Right, Here's where you get the VM. Here's the instructions. It'll take 10 minutes and go get going. Carl, what was the uh, overall like takeaway from the team? Is it, did you guys break even at least? And do you have a total number on attendees? Yes, sir. We had uh, 274 total
4: attendees. Uh, we finished just in the black as far as the financial side of it. Uh, so we'll have you know just a little bit of spare change to get started with next year. And uh, hopefully we can get those attendance numbers up and we can bring in more speakers and more sponsors and uh, have a little more
0: options. Yeah, we'll see. Um, there'll be something lost, though. I mean, it'll be good overall for the health of the conference. But around 274, while that sounds like a big number, It makes it so that you basically kind of bump into the same people a couple of time. If you go to both days, by day two, you've seen some of the same faces, and everybody is notably a little bit more chill, a little more comfortable with everybody, because we've seen each other already, we've been around, we've been in the same room a few times,
1: well, I think that opens up time to where if you see someone standing in the hallway that, and you were in their track the day before, that you can go up and talk to them and maybe you didn't get that one little piece or or you're curious about the next step, um, it's a little more approachable. You know, people are a little more approachable there mm-hmm. uh, when it's just, you know, not buzzing as heavily.
3: For me, that's the biggest comparison between something like Linux fest Northwest and Texas is that. Like you say, you know, a smaller group, you end up seeing the same people two or three times, which sometimes, I mean, I struggle with names at the best of times. Sometimes that that's a good thing because you can end up saying, oh, did you see this, you know, one of these three or four talks that's going on and you can actually have a proper hallway track. And yeah. the community down in Texas, there was a, a JB Telegram group for JB Texas. And uh, there's was a really great bunch of guys in there and uh, lifelong friends made, I think. That is true. That, yeah, I mean, I that think is
1: true. 14 of us yeah. went to lunch
0: together on 15, Saturday. Yeah, 15, yeah, 15 of us, and um, way more at the meetup. But it's beyond that. It's, you know, like every year I look forward to seeing Carl now. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like you really do create. Yeah. It's true, man. It's like well, he also, f-
1: he also brings solid
0: jerky. He, he does always Carl really has good, the best meat sausage. That, <laughs> yeah, he does bring really good sausage. <laughs> uh, what can I say, man? I'm food motivated. <laughs> I think. The community is irreplaceable. The people that go to these events are great. They're sometimes a little awkward. You know, they have their individual challenges, but it sort of all gets normalized out because everybody's a unique flower at this kind of thing, including me. And, um, and everybody just sort of looks past all that stuff. Everybody's accepted and, um... You know, if you want, you, you, it's so easy. If you want to, if you want to be by yourself and not talk to anybody, you can do that. If you feel like just randomly going out with a group of people to a big old lunch and walking around town, you can do that too. And um, I hope whatever wherever the conference goes, I hope that always stays. Absolutely, that's my favorite part about it. Oh, it was a good one, Wes. I missed having you there. But you know how great the community is. You've gone to plenty of these events now. You know how great everybody
2: is. Yeah, absolutely. I I liked what Alex said because sometimes you meet people and you learn their names and become long friends. But you also just have, at those small conferences, people you run into as you go to the same couple of talks. And it's just sort of impromptu conference buddies because everyone you're with is motivated by, if not the same thing, similar things. And there's just this sort of default friendliness that I think Thomas's whole talk is just saying we can take that to the next level.
0: That's exactly it. We've got we've all got common interests, and that is a great way to start conversation, to start inviting people to the dance because we've got the same common interests. Yep. All right, there you go. That's our report from Texas Linux Fest. Now, with all this traveling, seems like it's been a perfectly good time to do some reading. And Mr. Wes Payne comes in with a simple but modern ebook reader. For the Linux desktop,
2: this looks pretty nice Wes yes, it does foliate a simple and modern ebook viewer, and really i don't I don't need a lot of futs in my ebook reader. I just kind of want to open the book, be able to adjust the font, maybe, maybe have a a dark theme, possibly, and don't worry. foliate does <laughs> best of all, it's pretty easy to install because, hey, it's on flatback, so I got it installed right here on the studio machine as we were doing the show. Now, it's you may not like it because it does leverage some interesting open source, notably EPUB.js, which is a JavaScript library for handling EPUB readers, which means they didn't have to re-implement the whole thing. They're just using GTK WebKit to roll GNOME-style Electron App Lite. (laughs) <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. It's so, all right. No, honestly, I think it's great. Right? I mean, it means that they can throw this together and not have to reinvent the wheel. But it still has you know native integrations with GTK, so it feels like a nice no map.
0: Yeah, that it really does. It was a great pick, Wes. Thank you. Yeah, and you, you picked it just at the right time, as so I was kind of like, I wouldn't mind having because I I uh, have a recent collection of EPUBs, so it was really perfect for that. So
2: and sometimes your Kindle has to charge, so you know when you had you a Linux laptop. <laughs>
0: Uh, I've got a couple of things that I want to cover in the post show so we should probably get out of here pretty soon because I got a couple more clips um, but I have a funny story that I thought just as a as just a, a perfect like ending of the Texas Linux fest adventure uh, you know so we're down here and it was right near the Linux Academy office so Sunday after Texas Linux fest very conveniently I was able to just jaunt over to the Keller office and, and record uh, this week's Linux action news I had a couple of stragglers with me however so um, We made the best of it. Cheese and Amanda, Cheese's wife, uh, brought us to Waffle House and uh, had my first Waffle House experience, which was delightful. Alex was there as well. What did you think, Alex?
3: Uh, Dirty, delicious, greasy, and delicious.
0: That's it. That's it. Nailed it. Um, And then, to make it even better, (laughs) while I'm recording or getting ready to record the show, Cheese busts out his portable grill that he brought with him from home. Of course I did. <laughs> and oh,
4: yeah. the brats oh, that he brought man. with him from home. Of course I did. <laughs> Talking about that full-size Washington grill?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, Carl. It was a full-size it's Washington grill. It's like a little grill.
0: Coleman grill, and uh, he uh, cooked us up some brats while I recorded uh, Linux Action News in the Linux Academy parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think Anthony knows about that. <laughs> I hadn't mentioned it yet. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> I mean, I cleaned up after myself and stuff. Yeah, you did. The office might have smelled, uh, at least the common area might have smelled like Delicious. smoked meats. Yeah. On Monday morning?
3: Yeah. I wonder if we could have a meat counter on the Texas episode, how many we'd have. Oh, man. Oh, dude! <laughs> I got I to gotta eat
0: a salad. That's, that's what I...
3: <laughs>
0: all right, well, that'll be it for the official show. We got a couple things in the post-show that I want to play for you, but if you're getting out of here, I just got a couple of bits of advice, some pro tips for you. Go to linuxunplug.com. You can go to slash 304 for this episode or any of the episodes in the past, slash subscribe for all the ways to get links, and slash contact... To leave us your thoughts, comments, and things like that. And then you can catch a lot you can catch this show live on Tuesdays over at JBLive.tv. Thanks so much for joining us. See you back here next Tuesday! got to get everybody to go over to JBTitles.com and boat, but I did save two bonus clips from the talk that I liked a lot that I wanted to play in the post-show for those of you that were savvy enough to stick around. JBTitles.com. Everybody go boat. Cheesy, you see any titles over there? Uh, I'm, Wes, going. You, you, I'm I'm heading. Get, get, get your boat on. All right. So I thought this one, this one uh, was a fun story. This was the moment where uh, Thomas realized, screw this Windows NT crap. I'm, get, I'm leaving Microsoft, and I'm switching to Red Hat. <laughs> this is the moment.
4: So uh, – Playing around with Linux, you know, one of the things that actually blew me away, that made me convinced that that maybe Tim was right, was, and it's silly, echo1 greater than slash proc slash sys slash net slash ipv4 slash ip underscore forward. I could turn on and turn off routing in the kernel,
0: from the command line, <laughs> and to, to really appreciate this, and I, I can appreciate this because I don't know if you know this cheesy, but I am NT four administrator certified. Are you? I am.
1: Well, you know what I did learn about you? What that you are are. I'm also, also Citrix. Citrix. I'm
0: a Citrix certified engineer as well. That's right. <laughs> Citrix, look at you. <laughs> and so, anyways, you have to keep you have to keep like the context in mind
4: on my NT machine if i had two network cards or i had a network card and a modem cuz back then we you know we were working on modems if i had a, if i had to turn routing on it said i've accepted your changes now reboot that that i know it's silly but that was one of the things that made me go holy crap this is pretty cool i know exactly how
0: it feels actually Mine was, and I've told this story before, my holy crap, I'm switching to Linux moment, was when I was first trying it out and I deleted my file system that was from a running computer and it took me a solid few minutes before I even realized it. Like, it was GNOME 2, like early GNOME 2 or whatever, maybe even something else. It might have been CDE for all I remember. Anyways, the desktop environment and my running programs remained functional for a few minutes after I deleted the entire file system by mistake. I don't know if somebody told me to do it or if I was just, I think I just, I think I just fumbled the rf command, but this was. Did you say fumbled the rf
2: command? I mean, clearly you have no idea what you're doing.
0: <laughs> rm 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 dash rf. I think is what I did, and uh, slash instead of like you know like m- maybe I thought I was in my, maybe I thought it was relative to my home directory. I don't know what I thought, you, or maybe
1: you thought you were in that directory or something. I or mean,
0: what? I don't know. This was probably Actually in your home. This was 97, ninety seven ninety you know ish so i have trying to force that one
1: directory that didn't want to delete to delete and you deleted everything and i
0: just sat down at this dude's computer it wasn't my computer (laughs) wow did you ever send him an apology letter no because he was cool with it because he 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 wanted to rebuild (laughs) it it anyway but that was the moment where i went holy crap this thing can delete itself i'm switching to this (laughs) this account's legit this root account stuff is legit